Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. This podcast and all of our podcasts powered by Greg Fay Insurance. Go see my man, Greg Fay, if you need any insurance protection, go to gregfayinsurance.com. Today on the podcast, David Hoffman. David is a real estate mogul. He's a friend. He's a father. And he wants to help you lean into what it means to pick relationship over rules. What he's going to suggest to you today is that your path to purpose begins with people. Your path to purpose begins with people. He wants you to be the friend, be the expert, be present. David has an incredible story. I'm so thankful for his courage to share it and his willingness just to be open about all the things that God has done in his life. I hope you enjoy this conversation with David. And if you do, do me a favor, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know needs to lean into relationships a little bit more. So now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with David Hoffman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have author, speaker, and uh, real estate leader, David Hoffman. David, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Well, listen, man, I kind of love to start with the macro kind of stuff before we get into some of the weeds of your story. I I always like to ask people, how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It reminds me of Three Bible verses all throughout real fast that everyone knows. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, followed by Jeremiah 29, 11, and then Romans 8, 28. You have to first understand that we need to lean on him um, because we can't know it all. We can't understand it all. And once we realize that, we have to be reminded that he has a plan for us and for us to prosper and not be harmed. Um, but we can't forget that he does all things to those that love him. Um, and that's two men on this call and probably many others. Um, with all that being said, one of the principles is adversity brings gratitude. And where that came from is I came from a lot of strife in my life, Tony. I came from a lot of loss and, and neglect. And and because I didn't have relationships, I now value relationships. And so mm. I got asked the other day, you know, what made you value relationships so much? And I said, not having them. Um, and, and so that adversity, while God was working through all things and I did not know it, that adversity actually gave me perspective to stay grateful for just any one relationship. You know, I, I got to see my mom three or four times a year, three or four hours a time. We're talking 10 hours a year. And, wow. you know, she, you know, she chose life for me when she had MS and the doctors told her not to have me and she chose life for me. And I'm grateful for that, but it made her paralyzed. And, and so I never got to have a strong, I had a very strong relationship with my mom, but I never got to have a substantive relationship where we had a lot of quality time. Um, to the point where I spent a lot of time alone in my room with a lot of neglect and no, without the unconditional love that, that we know our savior to give. Um, and so again, like for me, my whole purpose is I've got two, my mom and Jesus that both gave their life for, for me to live with sin, for me to live in this broken world and to live my life. And so I feel called to just give more than I could take, just like my mom did, just like Jesus first and foremost did to anyone that he puts in my life, man. So I just really, I'm just not attached to the outcome of if the transaction ends and I don't focus on the relationship because the relationship starts when the transaction ends, then shame on me, man. Like I, 
I just know in the marketplace we're, we're called to go to the next transaction. But that's not the truth. That's what the world tells us. The truth is if God puts all in your life, you have to give more than you take, regardless if you ever receive. And so that that's my my singular focus is to focus on others, give to them, keeping God in the center. One of the things I love to do um, whenever somebody sends me a book is uh, I love to read the dedication page. And so I, I thought I, I thought it would be um, good for me to read this dedication page to my podcast family and then have you reflect on it a little bit. You, you already mentioned your mom, and um, that's the first part. It says, to mom, for your selfless sacrifice to bring me into the world, for being my lifelong role model of gratitude and faithfulness, for giving me the motivation that drives my purpose each and every day. And then you continue, to Jessica, Kane, and Knox. I would not have the courage to share these stories and principles with the world if it were not for my best friend and bride, Jessica, who loves and fears the Lord immensely and whom I met the day after becoming a Christian. Jessica has been by my side through the deep valleys and the tall peaks. I hope and trust that our boys, Cain and Knox, will follow Jesus for all the days on this earth and embrace Jessica's passion for the word, which honors Proverbs 22, 6, ensuring for them this truth that they will spend eternity in heaven. First of all, beautifully said, that's, that's, uh, that's a, a great dedication page. Uh, one of the things that made me wonder about your story is that in these two parts of this dedication page, we see very conflicting upbringings um, in the sense of how you're trying to raise your kids versus how you were raised. And so what does it mean to you today to be a Christian dad, not having Christian parents? Yeah, man. And, and by the way, I've got a little girl now who's 10 years old. Oh, wow. Um, and you're like, little girl, 10 years old. Um, like, brand new little girl who's 10 years old. Um, I met her the first week of June, and her name is Isabella. And um, God knew her decades ago. I met her in June, and mm. she's ours. God has lent her to us, hopefully for all of our years here. Um, but we have legal custody of her, man, and the boys love her, and I love her. And I took her to the daddy-daughter dance back in early August. Wow. And she just told me she loved me the other night. Um, and um, and so that's the best answer I can give, man, is that like, you know, the world says, well, you don't have time. You don't have the budget. You know, you don't have the bandwidth to take a stranger in. You know, she, she was a stranger in early June, Tony. Um, mm. But but being the salt and light, being the hands and feet, Jesus left the 99 for the one. And, and she needed and deserved a God-fearing, God-loving home. So we just answered the call. And selfishly, man, like she brings so much joy. My wife and I have been praying for a little girl. You know, we've got two boys, our bookends. Doctors told us that my wife could never have another child. We had our boy. We had two girls we, that didn't make it to this side. Um, and so we had kind of gone past those days and we were going to start looking at fostering to adopt. And then God said, yes, you heard me. Bring a girl into this world but you're going to bring this girl. We just said, yes, man. We just answered the call and she's such a blessing. Um, you know, but, but that question is a powerful question. And, you know, when, when someone, when someone faces junk, abuse, strife in their life, and we all have had our own stories, we have a choice, right? Like we can either use that as chains, as a scarlet letter, use that as what keeps us down. Um, or we can use that as a way to, redirect God's redirection for our own protection. 
and I chose the latter. Honestly, Tony, it got to the point where I don't know if it almost felt normalized or so I didn't feel bad for myself and I was no longer a victim or if I just realized, you know what, this is a life for me, but not for anyone else and everyone else deserves better. And so I just, every day in my room, I spent a lot of time alone in my room. I couldn't leave very much. I just thought, how does someone have to live like this? I would never want, Mm. I would never want, you know, like if I could ever be a husband, I would never want to abandon my wife. Um, And then I can't imagine keeping my kids almost jailed in their room um, where they don't have security and, and basic needs and, and feel love. And so far from perfect, man, but, but I almost, it almost trained me at, at eight years old, I was, you know, raking leaves and washing cars and shoveling snow. And that gave me my work ethic. So I do believe that your adversity in your past, while it doesn't define your purpose or dictate your potential, it does give you this perspective that brings gratitude, you know? And, and, and so I've just kind of gone the other way of the pendulum, man, is that, you know, if I don't like how I was treated, then I need to not treat people that way. And then when I learned about Jesus, man, it makes it so much easier. Not that it's easy. Not that it's easy. I fail every day at it. But but he is just the the ultimate moral compass for what is good and beautiful, you know. And um, so I just attempt. Because again, the fear of well, if I don't work late, if I don't focus on the transaction, if I don't make it about myself and my marketplace and my business, I'm not going to have business, and I won't be able to take care of my family. But I'm not worried about this side, you know. Like I mentioned in that patient page. Proverbs 22, 6, raise them up the right way so when they're old, they won't have to part. Not raise them up the right way so when they're old, they'll have flaming yawn and fancy suits and a big mansion. I'm not worried about this side. Um, I used to be, but I'm not any longer. One of the things that you mentioned in there that I want to drill down on a little bit is this idea about God's redirection. Because in, in your journey, there's a lot of moments, whether it's it's moving to North Carolina in 05 or getting into the real estate age or accepting Christ, you know, all of these kind of moments. Um, and, and then since accepting Christ, you've made some pretty bold decisions in just your work and what you're doing and what, you know, even just what you and Jessica have shared in this book are pretty, pretty big things. H- how do you know God's voice in your life versus like the burrito you had last night? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I giggle, you know, I appreciate you being genuine, Tony, but it's a powerful question, man. I have these dear friends. You might know them or know of them, the Benham brothers. They actually live in my town. And, um, you know, they had that HGTV show that was canceled for being Christians. And they're dear brothers and friends of mine. And I'll never forget about 10 years ago, man. Like, I wasn't being self-righteous per se, but I was like, yeah, I always listen to Christian music. When I'm driving home, when I'm driving to work, I'm always listening to worship music. I'm always looking to Christian music. I love me some Chris Tomlin. He's like, yeah, we do too. We do too. But what's your refrigerator sound like? And I'm like, I'm in real estate. So I was like, well, what do you mean? What does my refrigerator sound like? Hopefully it doesn't sound like anything. You know, I hope it works. And they go, well, tonight after your kids go to bed, check your refrigerator, see what it sounds like. So nine o'clock, man, the kids are in bed, Tony. And I, I text um, I think I just had my one son then. And I text Jason, Dave, and I said, guys, my refrigerator is pretty loud. And they're like, yeah, but it's cold inside, right? I'm like, yeah, it's like, so it's working well, but you just never heard that it was making noise. And I'm like, yeah, it's finally still. There's no chaos in the house. There's no TV or music. No one's singing or crying or laughing, cheering. But it's making noise. And they said, now you're ready to receive God's voice. And and um, and so while 
worship music is good. You know what is great? Being still and knowing that he is Lord. And and so honestly, um, when, when I'm still, when there's no white noise, when I cut out the outside noise, and when I don't ask or even pray for anything in particular, Tony, and I'm just still and just being still, when I'm in the word and just being still, I'm just, it's just quiet. And I'm not asking for anything. He shows up, man. And he, it's been audible before. I mean, I can't tell you. I, I could tell you each time. And each time my wife, who is a skeptic, you know, we joke about it. I mean, she's my other half because I'm like more optimistic. She's a little more cynical, but she's usually right, to be honest. She's like my protector. But when I tell her, when she was really sick, I said, babe, God said it was just for a season. When she thought she lost our little boy, Knox, I said, babe, I was at church. She wouldn't even come because she knew she lost our baby boy. And God said, he's alive. And I came outside crying and calling mm. her for coffee. And she got mad at me. And then she stopped and she's like, wait a minute. You really did hear him, didn't you? I was like, yes, I did, babe. The next day, 165 heartbeats a minute. Now he's almost seven years old. You know, um, when, when I got saved on Tuesday, February 24, 2009, two days earlier on Sunday, Tony, I was at church. And the pastor, my first time ever, and the pastor is like, is your name David? Did you grow up in New York? Did you have a lack of love? Did you feel neglected? Are, are you Jewish? Are you in real estate? Is your last name Hoff? I mean, like literally, um, I, I was like, wait a minute. There's like 2,000 people here. Are you only talking to me? Like, do you have a security system in my house? Wow. And, and that night I heard God for the first time. And he said, you've tried it your way long enough. Give it to me. And so then Tuesday at lunch, Tony, I'm sitting with my dear friend, Justin. And Justin looks at me with a Bible in hand and he goes, David, you've tried your way long enough. Give it to God. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I start crying. He's like, are you okay? He's like, man, God spoke to me Sunday. He's like, what did he say? He's like, you just told me what he said. He's like, really? God has put that on my heart to tell you. And I was like, and I started crying, Tony. And I was just like, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I always try to do good works. I try to just do the right things. I'm always trying to be a good person. It's never enough, man. And he's like, it won't be enough. And He's like, but you know what is enough? And he just started in the beginning of the Bible, man, with Genesis. And and and, and then he started telling me about our Jesus. And I gave my life. The next day, I um the next day I I, I took a I took a very a very famous wrestler for his 60th birthday to a restaurant. And um the limo driver started hitting on this young lady at the bar. She ended up being my becoming my wife. <laughs> um, so so it's funny how God works. But, um, and, and so I really do believe Tony that, you know, when we say like, you know, why is God making it so hard? You know, like, you know, why, why won't God just fix this? Why won't God just heal that? Well, maybe we're asking for him to detour him away from his plan when he needs us to detour us away from our plan, you know? And because when we listen to him, he makes it easy. And my pastor loves to say, it takes more faith sometimes to not believe you know, to not believe that all these beautiful things in this perfect universe, it all just runs flawlessly with the sun, not too close, not too far. You know, you know, when you have kids and a wife and everything that's going, you're like, okay, it's all on me. When it's not working, it's on God. When it is working, it's on us. Well, like he told Job, like, you know, where those, where the air in your lungs come from, where the gifts in your hands, where the muscle come from. So, um, yeah, I just give it all to him nowadays, man. I I love that. And I also, I want to push just a little bit because you're clearly New York hustle. You got fight in you. It just drips, right? So like, 
So like, I believe that you trust God with all your heart and soul and, and your whole life. And it's clearly God is speaking to you. But like, uh, also you clearly work, right? Like you work at it, you fight, right? You fight for what's important. Um, the, you know, the whole kind of idea of the book is about, you know, fighting for relationships and, and being intentional in those relationships. How do you know when is the right time to be like, I'm leaning into hard work and obedience or I'm sitting back and I'm waiting? Because I, I know that there's somebody listening right now who's like, I don't know what the next to do this next season. What's God want me to do? Do I lean in or do I sit back? Yeah, man. This is going to sound very fair, so I apologize in advance, but I have to do it. But um, you know, you know, um, when when you're pushing and you're frustrated and you're pushing and you're discouraged and you're pushing and you're crying, that might be God saying, "Stop pushing." You know, I'm I'm a big fan of work ethic. Hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of hard work and grit. You know, um, and for me, it's easy not because it's easy, but because it is. You know, because I never want to go back to no relationships. I never want someone to feel the way I did, and I never want to feel that way. So both ends of the spectrum, right? Like, and and you know, for me, I don't mind the hard work because the alternative is nowhere near as bad as what I came from, and so I have nothing to lose, you know, and everything to gain. You know, I can't wait to meet Jesus. Can't wait to see my mom again out of a wheelchair. I'm sure you know this in the book that I I was on the phone with my mom. I said I was going to visit her, and and then she died. And, um, that regret, I'm not saying goodbye to my mom, I will live with, but I'll learn from, cause I did not know my purpose then. But what I want to encourage people that are discouraged, you know, either they're hoping and praying for something or they're trying really hard and it's not working is just let it go. Yeah. Let it go for an hour or even a day or even a week, Tony, like just let it go and just be still or go to the mountaintop. Take a trip. More importantly, just be go back to being still. Like we talked about earlier, just let it go. You know, when I finally let it go, that's when I started receiving. Because it's a worldly expression that's why I, that I did not agree with. That God doesn't give you more than you can handle. It is true. God doesn't give you anything bad. You know, we have free will. But we receive more than we can handle, which is why we need to lean on him. Yeah. And so we're, we're holding on so tight. We're trying to bench press 400 pounds and it's just not moving. When we're trying to make something work, either a relationship that maybe he doesn't want there anymore or a job that we, we're really fighting for the promotion or we're trying to save something. Now, if it's a marriage, you give everything you got and you ask God to fill in the gaps. But And if it's a child, everything you got and ask God to fill in the gaps. But when it comes to anything that you feel like you can do in your own works that's just not working, you just have to let go and give it to God because either he needs you to let him fill in the gaps or he, his redirections for your protection. A lot of times, Tony, a lot of times I really do believe that we hold on so tight. We fight so hard thinking it's his plan for us. And if we just stop for a moment, and when I say a moment, it might be a week or a month, maybe even a year, and just Ask God to take it off our heart. I've done that before. I've actually asked God, God, if this is not your will, just take it off my heart. Right. I'm letting this go. Like if it's your will, it'll be done. But if it's not, it's out of my control. Like I'm giving this to you. I've tried. I'm tired. And and so for the people listening, um, for my new friends, I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. You're not alone because you have Jesus, but you're also not alone because you have others. You have brothers and sisters that, that care about you and you have people in your life that love you 
And so beware the snare to compare. Just because someone else seems to be further along in their journey, we don't know what they're fighting behind the scenes. Um, but if someone's struggling, I want to encourage that Jesus struggled and suffered, and mm. we are called to suffer. Um, he doesn't want us to suffer, but we live on a broken world because of the garden. And, and, and so the best we can do when we're, str- when we're struggling is be still and talk to him. And that's it. Yeah. Just just like our daddy. I mean, when you're a child, for those that did have dads in their life, even if they didn't, you have a heavenly father, just lean on him. Just say like, look, I can't do this alone. alone. I need you, father. I need you. And, 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 and just ask him. Um, and, and, and honestly, when you fully surrender, Tony, I feel like that's when he says, okay, he's okay. I've always been working, but now I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to hit you over the head with love and grace. And I'm going to make this clear that I'm here. Um, but we have to be still just like I couldn't hear the refrigerator with my son crying and me talking about this and the other and the noise on the TV, even worship music. I couldn't hear the refrigerator. Mm. If you can't hear your refrigerator in your kitchen. How are you going to hear your heavenly father? at nighttime um, and, um, or in your car ride. And so you have to be still. I just want to encourage. I want to encourage both ends of the spectrum. One, that um, that we need to be still and know that he is Lord and lean on him. And two, we are called to suffer. Sometimes when things are going too well, I spend time alone in the word, Tony, and I ask God what is going to happen next. Because I live in three minutes and three years. Three minutes, you and I and the listeners. And then I fast forward three years so that like, you know, I live in Charlotte. If I'm going to Florida, I know I'm going to be in Disney World in nine hours. How I get there may change with detours and pivots and restroom stops and bathroom breaks. But I know that I'm going to end up in Disney World. So you have to have the end in sight, you know, three years. Sure. Um, and so I'm not attached to tonight or tomorrow, man. I'm not attached to tonight or tomorrow. So if it's if it's too hard, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to pivot immediately. I'm not going to quickly like drive a different way to Disney World, but I may pull over and say, let's let's get some lunch. Let's take a break. Let's let the storm pass. Let's let this hurricane pass. Let's let the rain pass. And then when the break is over, hopefully the, the, the clouds have parted. Um, just leave time for God, God to work. Hey, friends, just pausing this conversation with David to remind you to check out our newsletter. Every single week, the Life and Leadership Newsletter is put out to help you walk with Christ. The best way to sign up is to go to our website, follow the number two leadcoaching.com. Let's finish up this conversation with David. I love everything that you said there. And and I, I absolutely agree. And I hear, and also you said an expression that I wrote down that I've never heard before. And that is airy fairy. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Does that just mean like, uh, like soft, like, uh, kind of like, um, I, how would you define? I, I just listen. Yeah. I love sticky words, right? Like I'm a I'm a words guy. I'm a podcaster. Like, what does that uh, airy fairy? I love that. Yeah. So the first time I heard it, I thought it was kind of like a insult because I was on like this big stage, man, and like the host was when I was done was like, or in the beginning I heard it and then he said it again. I thought it was like a mistake, like maybe six years ago. He's like, this guy is not airy fairy. At the end, he's like, guys. Was that airy fairy? No, it was not. And, and, and so I was like, asked where I was like, hey, what does airy fairy mean? And I'd look it up too. <laughs> it's confirmed. He said like corny, full of fluff. Oh, no I substance. love it. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you, when you think about it, when we talk about relationships, 
it's like, oh, that's airy fairy, like love at first sight, you know, like you're the one for me, you know, it kind of sounds airy fairy, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, just care about people, Tony, just give more than you take, just make it about others. And just, you know, all these cliches, but that's like Jesus, right? That, that is our right. God. Yeah. So it's, it's not practical. Airy. It's practical. It's substantive. Like it's actually yeah. deep. Um, but the world doesn't want it to be. The world wants you to just focus on, well, I need to make a lot of money today so I can focus on my family tomorrow. So next week I can give to others. And that's what the devil will just keep telling you, you know, don't focus on your marriage this week because you got to focus on your business. Don't focus on your kids next week. You have to focus on your business. One day you'll be able to focus on your marriage and your kids and your church and your community. But right now you just have to big, you have to build and build it for your own family. You're doing it for your wife. You're doing it for your kids. The devil will right. just tell you whatever lie he needs you to hear. One of the things that's interesting about the book is that you and Jessica both share or, or you share Jessica's story and your story, and it's full of like really personal, deep trauma, right? If, you know, there's uh, and people should pick up the book to, to really dive into it. But the question I have is more about, um, you know, you, you've obviously been speaking now for a while and you're sharing your story in the book and you're sharing your story in a lot of different places. How, how do you know? when it's the right time to share something that was, is traumatic? Man, that's, that's the million dollar question. I'll tell you what, um, my writer, Robert Nolan, amazing writer. He, he wrote the book. I can only imagine came a movie, a song and everything. Mercy me. He did the lead singer, Bart mercy me's um, memoir. He did mm. Moneyball. He did Michael W. Smith's memoir for his father. Amazing. Christian pastor, award-winning writer. Um, he said, David, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, he said, David, I always read the book back to my author. Um, and the agent likes to be there too. So we can just change everything because you hear it differently. You receive it differently. He said, would you like to do that? And he lives in Franklin, Tennessee. And I said, oh, I'd be honored. So I did that about a year ago, Tony. And we're listening to it, like Robert read it. My agent looks at me. He's like, David, there's some real stuff here. There's some real abuse here. Like I've read your book. It's beautiful, but I'm hearing it now. And, and Robert's like, oh yeah, there's a lot here. And, and, and I'm like, well, where are we going with this guy? He's like, should this not be published? It's like, no, 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 no. I just want to let you know this is heavy and you're going to help many. You're going to save lives, but just know, you know, you may, you know, you may lose a person or two who's not happy that this is being told. And I asked him, I said, she does not be there. Like, no, the devil wants you not to put this there. The devil wants mm. you to keep this bottle aside for your own trauma. The devil doesn't want you to save others. Um, and, um, and so two things. One, that was encouraging that, you know, that um, it's going to encourage others who have their own junk, have their own strife in their life, who've gone through their own challenges, to be encouraged that their past is not to find their purpose or dictate their potential. But then when it moves forward, you know, I... Um, I was doing a, a, a TV show this morning and I did it via Zoom. And um, sometimes I would go on the road, Tony, but sometimes I need to be home for my wife and kids. And, um, and, and I wasn't going to talk about anything with trauma or anything. I wasn't. And one of the last questions from the host was, someone, on, someone watching today, David, someone watching today is struggling. Someone watching today, and I'm paraphrasing, but, but she said, someone watching today is really hurting you know, they're facing difficult stuff today or last week. They're hurting and they can't imagine that a good God would let them be hurt so bad. 
And and the way she said it made me realize, you know, um, I've served on a board for domestic violence for many years and I was never, ever touched, but, you know, neglect is a different version form. But, but it made me realize that, you know what, it's not about me. It's my story for his glory. And it reminded me of about six months ago, my wife was asking me if I was getting excited about the book coming out and getting some good attention around it, like God was using it. And I said, babe, I'm not that excited, to be honest, because I feel like I sound like a victim, you know, and like I have so much more than I deserve. And she said, babe, it's interesting you say that because I just heard a song today for the first time and it made me think of your book from Matthew West, My Story, Your Glory. Mm-hmm. And so at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, Tony, yes, um, I pray on this. 10 times a day. Um, how do you live as a victor if you're always talking about challenge in your past? How do you look forward if you're still looking back? And, and, and what I want to encourage people is that everyone has a story um, and you choose what to do with it. And so you can use your story to be a victim or you can use your story to be a victor for his glory. And so the, I guess the best answer is more than not, I do share, um, mm. and then I use it to glorify him and to show all that has come. You know, I'll tell you, just making light of it, a few months ago, my older son was complaining that the sirloin was not filet and at the <laughs> dinner table. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny today. Um, and I was so mad at him. And so I pulled out a can of dog food because we have a little Yorkie, and I said, I'm going to eat it. And my wife's like, please don't, babe. And I was like, no, I can eat it because I have that perspective that – I used to eat the dry stuff in the basement because it wasn't being counted. And so she laughed. She's like, babe, please don't do it. And, and my son was like, you're going to eat that? It's disgusting. I'm like, yeah, but I've done and, and my wife goes, he's done it before. He, he can do it again. And I could, and it would be perfectly fine. But I just wanted my son to understand. He's sitting there complaining about sirloin and there's little kids being murdered in Israel. This is before then, obviously, but it's just all perspective. And so I'm grateful for the gifts of perspective that I received through adversity. Um, and so I feel comfortable and confident sharing more and more because it's not about me. You know, if yeah. someone doesn't want to work with me, if someone doesn't want to hire me, if someone doesn't like me because something I say either seems too real or raw or they can't relate, then that's not, you know, but I'm trying, my, my goal is just to share my story for his glory. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point. Um, y- you were raised in a very adverse situation that adversity was a huge catalyst to where you are today. And now you have by all accounts reached incredible levels of success. Your kids will never know adversity like that. How much struggle do you put on the boys and Isabella when it comes to like leaning in to like, Hey, I need to make your life a little harder or else you're not going to appreciate and be tough. Like I am like, what's the tension there for you? Oh, that's great, man. You have, you ask great questions. You should start a podcast, man. Um, so, um, <laughs> thank you. Subscribe. <laughs> I, I definitely will today. This is awesome, man. And uh, now, all, all can aside, is two different things. One is it can't be taught; it's be caught. So I do, I do hope that I walk with that intentionality. You mm-hmm. know, um, I'm, I'm shutting lights off around the house. I'm, um, you know, I, I'm not wasting food. I'm, I'm I'm reusing old Ziploc bags and I'm reusing old shirts, you know, like I'll wear the same hat for 10 years. I'll wear the same jeans for 20, you know, you know, I'm just grateful for the little things, right. Cause I'm used yeah. to, and, 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 and I'll do that in front of the kids. Like if they're not done eating, I'll eat their food or their plate. Like I just, I try to show them 
that, you know, to be grateful in the little things, like not to waste. Um, and, 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 and I'll tell them why I'm doing it. I'm like, look, there's, there's kids around this world that don't even have one cup of water that you just wasted. You know, like you don't like the flavor Gatorades, you poured it out. You know, there's kids that haven't had that much water today or this week for that matter. Um, and so that's one side of it is it can't be taught us to be caught, Tony. So just the way I'm, the way I'm, I'm attempting to honor, not hoard by any means, you know, I, sure. I don't want to be an Israelite hoarding the man of, but, but just being grateful for it, you know, and just answering, answering the call of like, you know, let's go an extra step. Let's help our neighbor. But then also all three got baptized recently Two of the three go to, you know, the boys go to a Christian school, Isabella leads almost all meals in prayer. And so even though they may not face adversity, and I don't want them to, obviously, they are learning the word, man. Like they are learning yeah. how to be, you know, so they're actually, so, you know, they're learning it the, the, the right way, right? Like they're actually, they're actually, that's what, that's why I put in there, you know, my wife, you know, in Proverbs 22, six, because they're being raised the right way and, um, and, and not, not of how to be good works and, but with grace and, and being more like Jesus. And they're just great kids, man. Like my older son, he's, he's got lots of energy. He's really hyper. And, um, but, but when he starts getting tired, he starts singing Christian music and, and the other two already do that. So all three of them are always singing these beautiful hymns and mm. they're singing. Songs and, um, they're just good kids, man. They just, um, they just have the right moral compass and the right priorities. And my older son, his friend sent him a song the other day that he was playing. He wanted to play in the car. I played it. It had a bad word. He looked at me shocked. He's like, dad, is that the word I think it is? I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, but never again. He's like, I'm so sorry, dad. That's a horrible word. I can't believe, you know, they know right from wrong already. And, and, and so I used to be worried about that entitlement piece, but to be honest, now I'm more worried about the negative influences from the culture, you know, the culture of the world. Um, but yeah, I think they're in the right the right track. Their their mom has loved the Lord her entire life. Man, I, I've got a. I know it was a good conversation because I got like a thousand questions I didn't get to ask. Uh, but I do have one more big question for you. But before I ask it, I know that my podcast family is going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all things David Hoffman? Pick up their copy of the book to follow uh, about what God is doing in your life. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I've got a website, relationshipsoverrules.com. And then um, I don't do too much social media, but I do have a public Facebook page that I have been doing more and more with. And they can add me on that public page and and message me. Um, you know, I, I would love to talk to anyone. Like that would be encouraging mm-hmm. for me more than you. You know, for, for, for the, anyone listening who's going through anything tough, anyone struggling in their marriage or in the marketplace – with their kids in their community. Um, I want to help not because I have all the answers because I have many of the mistakes and, um, because I'm willing to drop my guard and we can, you know, break bread and sharpen iron together. I love that. You're also, uh, you got a, a LinkedIn page too. We'll put that both of those things in the show notes and that way people connect with you on multiple platforms. Uh, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. Uh, except I get to take you back in time and ask you to give yourself one piece of advice. And I name the season of life that you're in. Okay. Uh, so I, I want to take you back to your very first day in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's 2005. 
you're here, you just moved here, you're a young man, you're full of ambition, vigor, probably working ridiculously hard to build uh, a real estate empire. If you could go back in time and pull up a chair in front of that younger version of yourself, sit knee to knee with him, hold his hands and look him in the eye. What's the one piece of advice that you're going to give him now? This is going to sound airy fairy again, man. I have to do it to you. I love it. It's good. I have to, I have to do it to you. Um, I thought you were going to say pick a time. You know, if you would have said pick a time, I would have said make the trip mm. a week earlier to see my mom. Um, but but my first day in Charlotte, man, I'd love to say give my life to get saved four years earlier. But, 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 but his plan his plan is the right plan because if I would have given my life four years earlier, I wouldn't have married a young lady after buying a home next door to Ric Flair, who I, who became like my best friend, who I took ended up getting divorced from my ex-wife and then taking him out for his birthday and meeting my bride, who's the mom of my three kids. And so, you know, I can't change God's plan for my life. And so I would – I. I I don't know what advice I could have given myself that day. Now, if you would have rewound it a year and five months earlier to DC when I'm on the phone with my mom, the advice I would have given myself is, which I take all the time now, man, is if you commit to something on the calendar, you follow through outside of personal emergency. I would have got off that phone and I would have booked a flight for the next day and I would have spent time with my mom mm. and she would have still passed a few weeks later. I would have had that precious time with her that I could never take back. You know, I'll tell you a quick story that I learned from that one. You know, I was speaking in Sacramento. I've spoken in Sacramento twice around the pandemic, and I live on the other side of the country. About four years ago, I spoke in Sacramento. And um, the, the morning I woke up in Charlotte, I had a direct flight, Tony. I was sick of the dog. I had either COVID before COVID was known or mono. I was horrible. My wife's like, you can't get on a plane. I was like, I have to because I've got an event tonight and I've got a big talk in front of 400 people tomorrow at a big church and it's a real estate company doing it at a church. And and so I got on the plane. I mean, I was too much information. I was throwing up left and right on the plane, like in the bathroom. It was horrible. I didn't even have a direct. I actually had to fly through Phoenix. It was horrible. I got there. I was soaking wet. Now they didn't know because after it was over, they asked me to come back. So I came back, but the pandemic started. And so I came back a few months ago and I told them when they asked me to come back, I'm like, you know, when they called me, Tony, about six months ago, I said, Hey, do you know how sick I was last time I came? And the host goes, no, you did awesome. I was like, really? Can you imagine how, I don't know if maybe I was better because I was sick. So it's time to go back. And if I put on the calendar, I got to keep it. So I'm on the plane in Charlotte and I'm going to fly through Houston. This is about three months ago. And the flight attendant, I got an hour delay. I have an hour layover in, in Houston. And the flight attendant says, hey, we got a 30-minute delay. I'm like, okay, I still got about 20, 30 minutes. It's going to be tight, but there's nothing I can do right now. Then the pilot gets on and says, hey, it might be a little bit longer. We have an overflow of hydraulic fluid. Long story short, I hear overflow of hydraulic fluid. I'm getting off that plane and going home. But I can't go home because I have to get to Sacramento. So I still deplane. Now, no one ever voluntarily deplanes. You know, Even though Waze, Waze tells everyone that everyone's going right, so you go left, right? If traffic is right, accidents are right, you go left. I want to encourage people that if everyone's going one way, you go the other. Um, that's why Jesus was on the cross because no one follow, you know, not enough people followed him. 
I deplane. And, and there's all this paperwork you have to do. I mean, the flight attendants were shocked I was deplaning. They said, you know, it's really stupid. I jumped on my phone, Tony, and I booked another flight for like 600 bucks, really expensive, with another airline that got me direct to Sacramento at midnight. Wow. But 20 years earlier, almost to the day, I told my mom I was going to come visit her, and I didn't get there in time. And so now I don't care how sick I am. I don't care how many flights I have to book, how much money I have to spend. If I commit to something, I'm going to follow through with it. And that was a lesson I learned. So that's if I can tell my earlier self anything, maybe that advice I would have given my first day in Charlotte was don't take something off your calendar for something else that the world says is better. Maybe a bigger listing, a more important person, someone who's more high profile, the world says is more important. No, if I put someone in your life, you keep them in your life. If you commit to something, you follow through. Mm. Um, and and um and I didn't I didn't really I didn't receive that until I got saved. So that's probably the best advice I can give myself that first day in Charlotte is if you commit to the calendar, you're going to follow through no matter what. No one else is more important than who God's already put in your life. Come on, I love it, dude. Uh, hey, this has been such a rich time. Um, I'm so thankful for you. I would love to have you back on at some point, maybe in early 2024, and I would love to bring Jessica too. I think she's got a story that needs to be told as well. And so anything we can do with that. But I just want to say thank you for your generosity of time and for putting your heart out there in the world in this book. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you, man. Let's do it. What a fun conversation with David. I appreciate his heart, his vulnerability. I really like the way he talked about God's redirection for my own protection. His story is pretty profound. And I just think... uh, we can all lean into what it means to build great relationships. I'm thankful for all of you and the relationship that we're building here on the Reclamation Podcast. If there's anything that I can do to help you, if you're looking for your next executive coach, if you're looking for uh, someone to help you lean into your relationship with the Lord, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm embarrassingly easy to find. At TWMilt on Instagram is where I hang out the most. As always, guys, I'm thankful for you. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.